Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I, of course, am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we got a lot to get to, especially a lot for a Tuesday podcast. Kind of a busy Monday. Not as busy as today is going to be. We'll get into that a little bit later. But we're going to start with a big story out of California, which has become ground zero for the Yimby versus NIMBY debate. And I am talking about, of course, NIMBYs, not in my backyard. Yimby's, yes, in my backyard. And full disclosure, I am 100% supportive of Yimby's. I think we got to build. I think we need to build more. And I am literally okay with them doing that in my backyard. Like right now, if they wanted to build in my backyard, I'd be like, yep. I mean, not like my property, but close to it. Yes, I'd be okay with that. I don't know. Does that make me a NIMBY if I don't really want it literally in my backyard? Close enough. Close enough to my backyard. I am okay with. And this is a very fascinating debate because it's one of the few debates where there's no political allegiance, where people on the far right and the far left both are NIMBYs. And then you have a lot of people in the middle that I would say are YIMBYs. And actually, that might be a little misleading. I don't know if it's a lot of people. I just know that most people who are closer to the middle tend to be like, yeah, we got to build more. But I will say it is interesting that people on the far left and the far right tend to be NIMBYs. And it's, it's just, it's fascinating to me because usually most issues, there's a political divide. I mean, let's face it, COVID's even become somewhat political, but it's fascinating to me that the YIMBY versus NIMBY debate does not have political sides. You got Republicans on both sides of the issue. Same thing with Democrats. And so California is a very interesting place because that is a solid, solid blue state, as we all know, with Governor Governor Gavin Newsom winning that recent recall election, showing that he does still have the support of the state behind him. And not long after that, he signed these two measures into law and they got a little bit of a little bit of controversy surrounding them. So what are they? We got SB9 and SB10. So SB9 is a measure that ends single family zoning in the state, which means Californians will now be able to convert their homes into up to 4 units depending on the size of their plot. So it's not everybody is allowed to convert their home into a multifamily apartment complex. Depends on the size and how much land you have. But that is now an option that is available. And SB 10, this measure will make it easier for cities to build up to 10 apartments on land currently set aside for single family homes near bus or excuse me, near busy public transportation corridors. And like I said, this got a lot of pushback from some of Gavin Newsom's constituents. But the real question is, why the change? Why are we see- why are we seeing this debate? And this debate's happening in Charlotte as well. In case you didn't know, uh, Governor Pat McCrory, who is running for Senate, Republican Pat McCrory, has come out against the changes Charlotte wants to make with regards to single family zoning. They're trying to make it easier for multifamily to be built. And McCrory has come out against that. Like I said, political alliances are kind of weird on this issue. But why are we hearing, why is this debate where it is right now? Well, it's very simple. California, like most of the rest of the country, maybe California a little bit worse, has an inventory issue. And in fact, California has built fewer than 100,000 homes a year in the past decade. 
Now, in order to keep pace with population growth, the estimates are they need to build about 1.8 million homes by 2025. So that's a much faster rate that they're building. What is that? Six times the rate that they are currently building. And it actually gets worse. Uh, McKinsey, the consultancy group, reckons they will need 3.5 million homes to be built by 2025. That's a lot bigger jump in production as if six times the production wasn't big enough. Now we're going to double that on top of it. Ben McCaff of the Turner Center for Housing Innovation at the University of California, Berkeley says the magic number is probably somewhere between the two. So we're talking about a massive increase in home construction. And let's face it, single family, it's just not going to get done. That's why you're hearing this conversation about turning some of these single family areas into multifamily. And so the question is, will these changes help? Yes. I don't think there's any doubt about that. SB9 could make new development possible on 5.4% of existing single family lots. Now that may not sound like a lot, but it would create about 700,000 new units, which is 40% more than otherwise would have been developed. And in the current situation, I think we would say pretty easily, every little bit helps. Now, obviously, the NIMBY versus YIMBY fight will not be ending anytime soon. And with historically low inventory levels, the tides definitely seem to be moving in favor of the YIMBYs. I mean, there's no doubt that California, the governor of California feeling comfortable enough to say, hey, you know what, we're going to push this forward shows that you know, the most populous state is saying, hey, these people are going to support more building. As someone who is a supporter of this YIMBY ideology, I'm, I, I 100% back this because we need to build more. We need more homes, especially because it helps with the affordable housing crisis. The, the fact that people don't realize that those two are connected still boggles my mind. People will complain that houses cost too much and then get mad when people try and build. <laughs> It's the weirdest thing. When I was on the radio, I would get people all the time who would complain here in Wilmington, North Carolina, that one, houses cost too much. It's hard for regular people to buy homes and live in this area. And then they complain when people were building. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. They actually believe that the building is what was driving people to the area and the not the reality, which is the building as a result of people moving to the area. They just, they couldn't figure that out. And it drives me nuts because it's like, come on, we got to build. We got to build. You want to be more affordable? We have to build. And so I am, can't believe I'm saying it as a former conservative talk show host, but good job, California. <laughs> good job. Yes. Listening to the people, letting markets work. California is leading the way. Oh my gosh. What is going on in the world? thought it was weird before. Here I am uh, giving accolades to the state of California for showing you how markets can work. <laughs> oh, weird times that we are living in. All right, let's bring it back to North Carolina. Did you know that Burlington, North Carolina, retained the top spot in August when it comes to the hottest housing markets in the country? Not just North Carolina, in the country. This according to the monthly report from Realtors.com, Burlington has been a mainstay 
in the top 20 hottest markets since 2019. Half of all homes in Burlington were selling in under 18 days in August, which is 10 days faster than last year and 21 days faster than is typical in the rest of the country. Now, Burlington is not the first time they topped the list. They did also top the list back in November of 2020. The median listing price of homes in the Burlington area was 290000 which is only up 1.1% year over year, which is 23.7% below the national median price of $380,000. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I thought this too. I saw this and I said, wait, it's the hottest housing market and they've only seen 1.1% increase year over year? That sounds like this slowest market that sounds like the coolest market but here's why here's why so the almost flat year-over-year growth sounds hot but it's important to know that burlington's median listing price reflects a shift in the mix of homes for sale compared to last year the demand for larger homes during the pandemic has resulted in smaller homes remaining on the market at lower prices for example the median home size was 1429 square feet in august which is down 17 percent year over year meanwhile the price per square foot reached 137 dollars which is up 18.7% since last year. So yes, there we go. That's there. There's the almost 20% year-over-year growth that we would expect to see when you're talking about the hottest housing market in the country. In the country. Burlington, North Carolina, number one. Uh, Raleigh, also North Carolina, in case you didn't know, uh, in case you didn't know where Raleigh was, uh, was number nine on the list. And if you want to see the entire top 10 list, you can read it in the morning email, the companion newsletter to this podcast. Sign up for it at marketsandmortgages.com, which of course also links to the top 25 list. So if you want to read the whole list, you can get so at realtor.com. And let's end on some good news. Actually, it's all been kind of good news, right? Yimby's leading the way in California, North Carolina, top spot. All good news, I would say. Loans and forbearance. What is the 29th week, 30th week that we've seen these numbers not rise? Because remember, we had the one week where it was flat. So we couldn't say 29, 30 weeks straight declines. We did see a little bit. Um, it, just didn't, it just didn't move down is the only problem there. But here's some great news. Loans in forbearance fell under 3% for the first time since the pandemic has started. This according to the weekly survey from the Mortgage Bankers Association. The total number of loans now in forbearance decreased four basis points to 2.96%. Currently, 1.5 million homeowners are now in forbearance plans. Now, if you're looking at the stage, 12% are in the initial stage, 79.3% are in extension, and the remaining 8.7 are in forbearance reentries. Mike Frantantoni, the MBA Senior Vice President and Chief Economist, said in a statement that the share of loans in forbearance continued to decrease dropping below 3% for the first time since March 2020. Now, that's great news, but Frantantoni did also note that the new forbearance requests 
and re-entries continue to run at a higher rate for Ginny May loans, as well as for portfolio and PLS loans, which include many delinquent FAH, VA, and USDA loans that have been bought out of Ginny May pool. So government loans seeing a little bit of an increase, but overall falling below 3%. Great news. It's just a great time. We got some fall weather. We got the Yimbies leading the way. We got North Carolina, hottest markets list. It's all good. It is good news. Oh, and by the way, today is going to be a very busy day. Very busy day. We got a lot of data coming out. Uh, Case Schiller and the FHFA house price index. Both are dropping at 9 a.m. this morning. We got consumer confidence at 10 a.m. I think Jerome Powell is speaking. We just, we got a lot going on. We have a lot going on today. We'll update you on it all tomorrow on another edition of Markets and Mortgages. I, of course, am your host, Tyler Crawley. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. 